The San Antonio Public Library podcast team, Tuned In, presents eSports in San Antonio series. I'm excited for this, Caitlin. I feel like you are super knowledgeable and experienced, and I am so, so fortunate that we were able to get you for this podcast. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. I really, um, it's been a very, very nice happenstance to be back in San Antonio working on esports. Um, and especially to be here talking to y'all from the public library, not just on the podcast, but on the panel videos as well. I think it's it's important. And in a year from now, we're going to look back and, and think about, you know, all the growth in just a year. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Okay, I do have a question for you before we get deep into the conversation. Sure. Explain to me. I'm, I've been curious. I spoke with some of my friends about it. I still can't wrap my brain around esports coach. Please tell me what that entails. So esports coach will definitely vary university to university um, at St. Mary's. Um, as the head esports coach, we also take on the role of like program coordinator. Um, and because it's a brand new program, we're building the framework um, from the ground up. <clears throat> so while, yes, there is coaching involved for specific games, um, a lot of what I do specifically is recruiting, it's community building, it's outreach on campus and with external groups. Um, it is a lot of answering questions from students, which is great because the students know where we're at now. Um, but every program is going to be a little bit different. And between me and my assistant coach, um, every day is different. And we have we wear many hats. How long has St. Mary's had an esports coach? So the program was like in its first stages um, in August in those planning phases. It wasn't until March or let me backtrack January. They posted online that they were looking for a head coach. Um, so we did the interview process. And in March is when they officially hired me. So March, April, May, June, July. Okay, so you're, you're like brand new to the position. I thought you had been in for a while. Okay. Awesome. <laughs> brand new to St. Mary's. Um, so, you know, while I'm learning about St. Mary's and the culture and the students, they're learning about esports and, and how to how to be competitive. And maybe the last question, I want to say that. Another question. <laughs> what games do you focus in on? Are you laser guided missile on coaching at this present time? What are your what are your games are your main focus? So based on a couple of research pieces that we've done. Um, we had an initial student interest poll or form um, that we got our initial numbers from. And what we saw was popular games like League of Legends and Overwatch, Fortnite, Call of Duty, and some other games that didn't have competition available. Um, so once myself and my assistant coach were brought on and announced, we did another, um, I guess, kind of probe into the community what they were interested in playing, uh, but also being able to collect information about those players and kind of determine what are we good at <laughs> what do we already have the talent for um and so after those two um research pieces we've come to the conclusion that the two most popular games that we have that have some really good skilled students are going to be overwatch and league of legends 
Um, the other two games that we're focusing on because there is a high number of student interest and quite a few students who could become very high skill leveled, um, those two will be Fortnite and Rainbow Six Siege. So all in all, those are the four that we're focusing on. Rainbow Six Siege. I, I'm familiar with the Tom Clancy titles, I like his titles. So I haven't played that one, the most recent edition of that one. That one is also very new to myself. I bought it last week and spent six hours last Friday just going through the tutorial. So um, I'm learning. <laughs> I'm learning that game. Um, all you know, from from never playing a first person shooter to all right, let's figure out how to win and what is what is competitive and what does that look like. Okay. And Caitlin, I remember you mentioning other games that um, in the previous discussion panelist discussions that had a high high level of competitors. Being the game being very competitive, one of them was Smite. Um, I believe. Um, you you know that you mentioned that there wasn't a, a big group here in San Antonio, but would there be an opportunity for your group to add more games, more, or you think that that would be enough? I don't know if, if you're limited on what games you want to focus on, or you could start adding as you realize a game is growing in in the sense of being really competitive. So for year one, our one of our main focuses was figuring out what we're good at. What are we already good at and how can we you know foster that talent um, and so that's how we came to those four games is this is what we're either you know we have students that are good at the game that can be competitive viable um, or we have students that have shown us that they have I suppose what we think is what it takes to be super competitive you know they can learn new things very quickly maybe they're super flexible or can deal with ambiguity very well um, and so we think that that's kind of like the X factor in figuring out if this will be someone who can become a, a much better player over the course of a few months. Um, now, when it comes to new games, it is something that has come up a lot this summer because there have been some really popular games that have come out, like Valorant, um, or popular games that have had um, you know new expansions and, and new updates that are really exciting, um, like Apex Legends. However, <clears throat> reason we can't, or the reason not that we can't, but the reason that I decided not to pursue some of those games was due to the lack of college level competition. So although there are a ton of Apex players who are really, really good at the game, and I mean, these kids are awesome, um, unfortunately, there's nothing for me to to put them in, you know, field them in some kind of competition or tournament or circuit or league where they can, you know, use their skills to place in playoffs and with the idea of they win prize money from those tournaments. And and so that was a really tough call in that, you know, we've got some really good kids, but it's just not fair to them to make a team and have them not play. That's very understandable. If there's not competition for them, it'll be really hard to get them in a competitive league, you know, like you just mentioned mentioned before so I that's understandable like even though there are games out there new games that are coming up if there's not competition it would be difficult to get into that that league yeah and and all of this is at the college level and and for those games there are um competitions for like the amateur uh esports players and uh what I told some of the the players that were interested in St. Mary's for these kind of um games was you know try you know try your try your hand at some of the amateur leagues if you're not already
already playing in them to get that competitive experience. Um, and hopefully, you know, as things progress with these games, we will start seeing those those college leagues pop up where we can where we can field a competitive team. Okay, okay. everyone, thank you for joining us today. This is Edward with San Antonio Public Library Tune In Podcast Team. Today we have Cassie. She's at Pan American, and you already heard from Caitlin. Caitlin, can you introduce yourself? They heard some little background of what you do. Could you introduce yourself a little bit early for our viewers, listeners? Sure. Uh, my name is Caitlin Pinienda. I'm the head esports coach at St. Mary's University in San Antonio. Antonio, Texas, and I've been working in esports for about five years now. Okay, and you said we were talking before I did the intro that you just recently started a position at St. Mary's. Where, where, what's your capacity before you came to St. Mary's? So prior to accepting a position at St. Mary's, I was working as a contractor for two different esports companies. Uh, one was, or one is called Collegiate Star League, um, and they are one of the biggest college leagues for various esports titles. And the second company that I was working for was Super League Gaming, uh, and they specialize in bringing esports events to uh, new and amateur players in something like 30 different markets across North America. And so um, that's what I was doing before I found the um, St. Mary's job position. Okay. And today we're going to continue our discussion with esports in San Antonio and our community. And today our topic will be esports the last 20 years. Give us some feedback or some insight on how esports evolved from the year 2000 to the present day. So uh, truth be told, in 2000, I was six years old. Um, but <laughs> but as a kid growing up in San Antonio and, and with my parents, I mean, gaming in our household was not forbidden. It was encouraged. It was another healthy outlet, same as going outside and playing during the summer. Um, what exists now that doesn't exist then is um, what I think can be described as like esports or gaming camps, similar to like Little League, where you can, as a kid, spend a couple of hours on a weekend uh, learning games and learning, you know, team building or not just team building, but learning how to work with a team, how to communicate, um, critical thinking skills. And as a kid, that just did not exist for us. Um, I'll have to agree with, with Caitlin. 2000, uh, I mean, what I remember, what I would remember was, um, arcades. I would go to arcades after school and we would play, uh, you know, fighting games. And that's, that was the competitiveness there. It's like, okay, you gotta be, you have to be on the top of the, the scoreboard there. You know, you come back the next day, your name was bumped down. <laughs> You know, the, you know, we did that almost every single day. It was me and a group of friends. We'd go to the arcade uh, in my small town and made sure we had quarters. The, the person at the counter all recognized us. You're like, hey, school's out. Yep. We're going to spend another hour here playing arcade, um, the arcade. So um, some of the games, I mean, Street Fighter, played Street Fighter, um, Marvel versus Capcom. That was a little bit after 2000. <laughs> uh, but I mean, it took us a while to get to get to. Um, you know, the systems, uh, playing, you know, PlayStation. Of course, Street Fighter has been around for a while. It's been around, you know, Super Nintendo. Um, Back in the day, uh, didn't play any competitions at that time. So I I think the competitions that did exist were kind of few and far between or or very grassroots. It was someone in their garage, you know, throwing a LAN party with their friends and extended friends. Um, And I mean, I think it's, it's important to remember those moments and those people because with 
without that. We would not have the culture that we do today. We wouldn't have the events and and <clears throat> that community aspect that we do today, I think. Yeah, I think, um, oh, sorry, Edward. I, sorry. I just want to add, I mean, it made it easier, I think, now that a lot of the consoles are more, you know, accessible and portable. Because like you were mentioning earlier, I mean, LAN parties, you had to drag <laughs> your desktop <laughs> and your huge tube monitor, you know, to a, a, a place where everybody could connect, had internet. Back then it was dial-up. <laughs> I mean, uh, and then it progressed to like the internet that we have now. I think it, it did help having the consoles be more accessible and more portable so that more players could get a hold of each other and actually make it easier to, to play each other and compete. I can give a little bit of insight. I was older than six in the year 2000, and we used to go to a game room in town called Diversions. We go to all the time Street Fighter, Killer Instinct, Mortal Kombat. We'll play those games all the time. And in college at Texas State, Southwest State University, we had a student center and Street Fighter would load it every day with quarters on top. We would just play Street Fighter Spider. There'll be local tournaments, of course, like the Student Union would throw tournaments, things of that nature. There was never anything that competitive. It was just more good sports or just having fun or bragging rights. It wasn't anything like you got a, a medal or anything like that. But it was just good times, a good competition. You just learn how to better prepare yourself in the game. Or like a practice. Lots of last practice. Same thing with NBA K. I was winning with NBA K was NBA Live and Madden. Those were the two games we always played competitively back in the 2000s. That's pretty interesting. Six years old. So what consoles or what games did you start playing that got you really involved in these sports games? So as a kid, I had a Nintendo 64 and I would just play Mario games. Paper Mario, uh, Mario Party, Mario Kart. <laughs> um, as I got older, um, I played more Nintendo games, um, Legend of Zelda, uh, Animal Crossing, uh, lots of Nintendo. Um, it wasn't until I was in high school um, that I started playing online games league of legends i think had come out my freshman year of high school give or take um and uh, i had a friend who was like try this game it's blah 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 blah, blah. it's it's cool it's all of these things um and so i started to play and i learned the characters and um learned how to to play competitively and rank up the ladders and you know instead of having to go to an arcade or a land center to um you know get the top you know be top 100 uh, i could do that from home now i could play you know all day saturday and rank up and now you know i could tell my friends online i outrank you like i'm a better player than you um but yeah i think what initially got me involved in the competitive part of video games uh was league of legends when i was in high school that's great. We also have a question of how COVID has affected your recruitment for esports currently because we can't go to centers. We have everything virtually. Has that affected esports gaming community in San Antonio? So, um, you know, as we spoke with everyone earlier in the week and earlier in the month, um, the, the in-person places that we would go and socialize, like the card shops or the PC land centers, um, yes, it has affected, I think, the social part of gaming. Um, however, even before those things, um, you could still connect with people online. And, and what I have found with recruiting is that the majority of the players that we're looking to recruit already have, you know, some kind of footing or stakehold in some online space. Um, and so while we would love to be able to go to the high schools that have esports teams and talk to their players and see, you know, where they're at, um, 
academically and competitively, um, we really just had to double our efforts online to reach out to um, schools and high school esports leagues online. And, and thankfully, they had very robust online presence. Um, and so I think to kind of summarize it, it's unfortunate that we, we can't, you know, meet with these players in person, but, you know, that's part of the health and safety that we have to consider. Uh, but we can still meet online without risking any health or safety. Um, and we can play games and talk about, you know, competition and all of that good stuff that we would um, if we were in person. I mean, Zoom is amazing for that. Yeah, I was just about to mention, I mean, a lot of people, a lot of gamers have adapted to some form of using an online conference app or platform and then using that to get a hold of other players or just playing with a group of people. And yeah, you're not in person, but you're still engaging and interacting with those people using these, you know, using Zoom or Google Meets or, um, you know, the other sort of like social conference uh, platforms. And that's something that the library is definitely interested in and adapting for a lot of the the esports programming that we're planning for the future is using all of those different platforms along along with consoles and getting the players connected and reaching out to the community and still being able to provide and offer some of these these gaming programs to our patrons. So I think uh, it's it just sort of happened. <laughs> it's a perfect storm uh, for this to work out. I think one of the other things too is that like these companies really rose to the occasion to roll out new features to help with, you know, getting connected or online schooling or, you know, even just something as like screen sharing capabilities, right. um, Zoom and WebEx, but also Discord, you know, oh, yeah. a program that was created for gamers um, kind of went in the opposite direction. They wanted to adapt to a, a, a wider audience. Um, and so they did add things like screen sharing and, and video conferencing um, and, you know, giving more server space for communication. Um, and again, like you said, it just all kind of happened. Um, Discord happened to be one of the places where we were able to contact those high school esport leagues and and interested high school students um, to get them, you know, interested in our program. And I've noticed, yeah. I remember you mentioning how, you know, you you started, um, St. Mary's started or was interested in, in hiring an esports uh, coach and you started sometime in March. Was a Discord already created or it, that was something that you had to add to start looking for players was that something you have to you had to create as a way to reach out to players so um saint mary's is a little unique um in that when mac and i were hired um they didn't have like a centralized um video game or esports club on campus or anything student run um unlike a lot of our counterparts um utsa and ut dallas uh ut austin they all have very um large and active gaming clubs and so when mac and i were hired uh we knew that there were gamers gamers on campus we had plenty of those students reach out to us um, to talk about gaming and esports um and so we just decided to make 
make the Discord to build that online community so that they so that players could feel um, that sense of belonging um, and be able to connect with other people who were playing the same games or similar games um, and just have that you know safe online space for students and incoming students to connect. I have another question for you. You said mostly in the past, esports was a grassroots campaign of just everybody getting together in the garage, just doing meetups. What were the innovations that brought esports to the forefront now as it's so popular now, has sponsorship now? What innovations from then to now were made that are so prominent now? Technology. I mean, high-speed internet, um, things like virtual machines, um, cross-platform uh, possibilities. So me at home being able to play on my PlayStation 4 with my friend across town who plays on his Xbox. I think things like that, um, as well as accessibility to those things, made made esports grow um, past that grassroots level. Uh, because now we could get connected um, easier with you know our friends in Dallas, our friends in Houston, our friends in California, um, and have online competition um, without having to um, in person together. But at the same time, I think another benefit was there was the in person events, things like PAX and DreamHack, um, and other gaming related conferences and events. Um, it made gaming and esports kind of special in that okay, they only happen once or twice a year. I've got to go to Dallas for DreamHack Dallas, or I've got to you know stay here in San Antonio for PAX South, um, and it made it made it easier. I wouldn't say it made it easier, but <laughs> it it made the argument easier to travel to those places if you knew, oh, I could win some money if I enter the Fortnite tournament, or you know, all of my game developer friends are going to be at PAX South, or um, you know, there's these potential sponsors that I could maybe bring in for an event or some charity stuff like. I think it's those two things, the innovation and accessibility and technology and the special gaming conventions and events that brought people together. Would YouTube yeah, and, and I Twitch, think, um, oh, sorry, Edward. I'm sorry. I was going to say, mention would YouTube and Twitch also be a, a factor in how yeah. it's grown? Yeah. I was going to add that social media was a, like a big factor in getting, I feel like getting the companies to notice esports and esport players and the competitiveness of it. And yeah, and I think that goes back to the technology piece and that like social media is free for you to sign up their platforms are always you know not always but very frequently introduce new you know technologies or new improvements to the site and as people get creative they figure out better ways to reach audiences and connect with people and i mean again the access accessibility to the internet is is huge in this and when we talked about twitch on wednesday um it's another free service where you can sign up and watch anyone and connect with anyone who's playing these games and that's that's not something we had <laughs> 10 years ago. No, not at all. What do you think will be the next leap in esports in the future? What's going to be the next component that's going to push up above and beyond traditional sports? I don't, I don't know. I think it depends on how any one person cl classifies and defines success or like exceeding sports. Um, I think for me personally, I see esports as competitive gaming in a team setting. Um, and what that ultimately is, is entertainment in some way, shape or form. Um, what I think the next steps though, is investing in K through 12. So okay. um, alongside investing in the arts, in Investing in music, I think investing in esports um, is important because it, it's it's the larger picture. There's a 
a bunch of things to do within gaming and esports. It's not just about being a player. Uh, you need people to write the storylines. You need people to write the background information about a verse, uh, artists to create the champions and the world you're playing in, um, programmers to make all of that come to life. Um, and so I think investing in those things early on, um, while yes, the competitive part is the fun part, um, I think it opens a lot of doors and builds a lot of bridges between different disciplines to bring it all together. And Caitlin, I I was thinking something totally opposite. So you mentioning like building sort of like a foundation um, from an early age. I wasn't even thinking about that when Edward asked that question. So having you frame it in that way and answering that question um, the way you did it, I mean, it really does make sense to start from, you know, from that sort of perspective. I was thinking like the next best thing, it's going to be, you know, virtual VR stuff. (laughs) I mean, Virtual VR stuff is pretty cool. Like, let's just not downplay that. That's all cool and a lot of fun. Um, so I was like, whoa, wait off. We're not going to get there unless we are investing in those that can make that happen and make that possible and investing, I think, the time and money and effort in uh, in K-12. We're going to have that strong foundation with the STEM programs and STEAM programs will also help make it move along in a positive way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I know um, Ansley, she's, she's one of our, our uh, panelists and you know one of the things that she does uh, frequent frequently is um, game jams where you know groups of people will come together and they they have a theme and they create games you know a game based on that theme and I feel like that you know getting K through 12 interested in that just getting you know a taste of it while they're at school can really encourage and sort of light that fire um, like Caitlin said like building that community um, from just introducing it to that age group or that environment, that school environment, educational environment. And, and when I was in, in college, um, similar to the Gameathon, I would go to hackathons um, with my friends to different universities. And, um, you know, what we found is we would go, we would have a very specific skill set, but to accomplish, you know, winning one of the competitions, uh, we would have to partner with people from other schools who had different skill sets, um, whether it be, you know, they could design the website or they could design all of the things that go on underneath that. Um, and I think that's a very similar, I guess that's a very similar um, idea is that, you know, it's it's more than just one person creating the game or more than one person doing any kind of project. And so being able to have those kind of experiences really early on, I think is great. You know, it exposes you to new people, new ideas. Um, and I think definitely builds that that team, team-oriented, team-building mindset early on, which is so key in esports and gaming, whether you're a competitor or you're building game or building the competition. So uh, I have a question. I know you, uh, Caitlin, you mentioned, you know, working as a team, you know, being a coach and working with your team. But how do you encourage an, you know, an amateur esport competitor to get used to working together? If You know, they're so used to playing, you know, just at home with other people online, not necessarily like playing, you know, in person with the group. How would you encourage that sort of like building that team to work together? Yeah, for me, uh, knowledge is power. The more knowledge I can empower my players with, I think the better off they will be in terms of a, a strong starting point. Um, one example, we in June, we went through summer tryouts and we had a handful of players 
um, who only played one hero or one champion. And so when you put that player in a team setting, um, at the very beginning of the game, it is easy to ban or take their one champion out of the game. And now they are, you know, playing something that they're not familiar with. Um, and you can't, you know, you can't be the best possible player if you are, um, I guess, not at the same starting line. Um, and so what we've done in that situation is giving the players feedback that, you know, we think that they're a great player. They've got a good mind for the game. However, they need to expand because if they expand their champion, the champions they play or the heroes they play, then that makes them a much more flexible teammate for their team. You know, if they want to run a specific strategy, but you cannot complement that strategy, then we're not working as a team anymore. Um, and so for any players that are on the team or wanting to be on the team, um, you know, I, I put a huge emphasis on communicating with your team, communicating clearly in the game and out of the game, and then also an emphasis on flexibility. Um, if you're asked to play a specific strategy or something new, you know, we want to see you rise to the occasion and not um, give up without even trying. And so it definitely depends. It varies from person to person, from game to game. Um, but essentially it's, you know, can you be flexible and can you deal with ambiguity? Yeah, that sounds like a very detailed and, you know, understandable approach. You definitely want to sort of round out the rough edges so that, you know, everybody can sort of move to different roles, to different expectations and not just, you know, on a set path. It's like, this is what I'm going to do. I'm not going to change, you know, that sort of thing. So it, it does sound like being able to accommodate, being, a, you know, sort of understanding other players and their strategies is, you know, sort of the way to go, uh, it sounds like, with your team. Or just being an overall game player, not just one. I always think of the, the situation where I play Call of Duty a lot, and there's always snipers. Always. <laughs> always. You never see them because they're always sniping you. But that player, once you approach them or you get close to them, they can't snipe you anymore. They're limited in what they do. So you have to be able to do everything to be successful player. I guess that's what you're saying also to be accessible esports team player, you need to be well rounded and know all the roles of that game of those players. Yeah. At the very least, you should be able to understand the different, you know, what your teammate's goal is. Um, if they are, you know, depending on the game, if they are someone who is, you know, just trying to secure objectives, then how do you as a sniper or as a jungler or whatever the position may be, how do you complement that person to get those objectives? Exactly. Wow, this has been a great conversation. Is there anything else you'd like to add, Kayla, before we close out? Cass, do you have any more questions? Um, <laughs> so many. I can go on, but I know yeah. that we have to stop soon. <laughs> <laughs> Don't forget, we do have the panelist discussion. Also, right here, just a little knowledge nugget to add to the panelist discussion. Oh, this yeah. Edward and I are going to be on the diversity one, Caitlin. I know that you you signed up for that one. I think that one is a really big topic um, that not not only is it a hot topic now, but it's been an ongoing you know issue in the gaming community. Um, so I think that would be really interesting um, panel discussion for our next time. Absolutely. Lots of, lots of, uh, the conversation's been happening for a long time. So mm -hmm. it's good. It's good to, to talk about it. I also bring another point out that you mentioned in the pod, in the panel discussion, how the stereotype that men or main gamers and females don't aren't gamers. How can you dispel that myth for us real quick? That there are females who game, there are females who are successful gamers. Is that a male dominated field or sports? 
So on the outside looking in, esports and gaming may look male dominated, but I believe that um, if we make the opportunities and build the bridges um, and make the communities welcoming, um, I think that invites a lot more women to participate in competitive video games. Um, and I think visibility is also important. And so me and my other assistant coach, Carolina, I think it's very important that we are visible and accessible to both men and women um, and that we do our best to make everyone feel welcome, regardless of the game they play or if they play no games. I mean, if you're interested in video games, you still have, you know, you have a place within our community, period. And there's no debate about it. Yeah, and I do want to add, like, this is uh, one of the one of the big competitive sports that is co-ed. If you think about it, a lot of the major sports, they separate the genders, you know? And so with esports, it's kind of, you know, everybody's in the same pool, no matter what you are, are, what you identify as, you are an equal across the board. That's a great point. Absolutely. And it's, it's, I want to say, it's like one of those very few competitive arenas where it's very well represented by all kinds of people. I agree. And and I'm looking forward to, to more people, uh, regardless of who you are, what you look like, where you come from, to enjoy gaming and to enjoy esports. Um, you know, I, I want to see this open more doors for people, and, and that that anyone, any walk of life, feels like they've got a place here because I believe they do. It's very inviting, very inviting. Thank you so much, Caitlin, for joining us today. We will have your information in the description. Cassie, as usual, always a pleasure. Thanks for tuning in to San Antonio Public Libraries podcast. You can always check us out at mysimple.org. Have a wonderful day. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you both. Hey, thanks for listening and get connected on mysapple.org with Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, Snapchat, Pinterest, Flickr, Instagram, and follow tuned in on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Google Play Music.